cool okay well let's just let's do this thing um i'm harper i'm jonathan and this is hot guys authentic knowledge and feelings i feel it i feel it yeah i know where you're going with this you want a little clip that makes everybody laugh and feel good you know what i mean instead it's like Whoa. but i'm really not funny no no and we no, no. have a podcast what <laughs> okay And today, I forgot to ask how to pronounce people's names, so I'm just going to go for it and hope it's okay. Ooh, Our guests are Allie Jennings and Mia Schofler from P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. <laughs> Yay! Did Yay! I do it? Yeah. Not quite. Not quite. My name's Hart. Schofler? Is it Schofler? Not even really close. Really not close. Even close. Not even my good friends say my last name correctly. It's Schofler, but why would anybody know that? Schofler. <laughs> I was. I, I knew it. My was, last name is Joinings. It's Joinings. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. It's Jennings. I honestly wouldn't <laughs> believe know. anything. Who did we have before? Oh, Claire Lochran. And her name is spelled with a GH. And I like just did not do that right at all. That's that one's that's hard. Wait, it's Lochran. Lochran, yeah, like a C sound. Oh, yeah, but I it's would, a G. I would just say Lo- Laughlin at for no for no reason. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys for joining us. Um, what uh, what are what is your relationship with Ethan Hawke? Both of you, what how do you feel about him uh, and oh his God, films? I'm so glad you asked. Ellie <laughs> um, <laughs> just pulled out a notepad. I love it. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, here's a, I, I was like, okay, what movies have I seen that Ethan Hawke has been in? And I was like, I'm just going to go on his IMDb and just check it out. And oh my God, he's been in everything. He really has. And I, he's been in so much and I haven't even realized it's such like looking at his IMDb, such a like breadth of work and that he does like horror, but then like yes. also like rom-coms, but then also like he's in Gattaca which is one of my favorite movies of all time and so um yeah I I've seen him in Gattaca Sinister The Purge Boyhood and in the Dead Poets Society um uh, and yeah but when I think of him like as a whole I think of him as like tired dad or like (laughs) dad really like worn thin like he's had he's has so much on his plate um and the movie that we watched today (laughs) is no different so true (laughs) yeah i think you've really hit home uh like who ethan hawk is during this particular era you know because we've been watching him since he was just a little baby in explorers in Mm -hmm. 1985 so, you know, he's oh, gone wow. through, like, different, you know, stages, but he's really solidified in this, like, tired dad phase. He totally nailed it on the head. Yeah. yeah uh, how about you, Mia? Like, I, um, you know, I love Ethan Hawke. I also, I don't know why Gattaca is <laughs> such a big deal to our generation. I also immediately think of Gattaca, and I'm like, Gattaca's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I love him in Gattaca. I love him in the Before Midnight trilogy. And then there's one more, and I'm so mad because I forgot it that I was like, when I come on, I can't wait to talk about my two favorite Ethan Hawke movies. And I can't remember what the second one is. 
<laughs> so I'm scrolling through right now because it's yes, it's a, the Before Sunrise <laughs> trilogy is good, but it's not the main one. Gattaca. Shoot, and I. Oh my gosh, I'm so sad. I can't remember what the other one is. I'll find it. I can't believe I can't find it. <laughs> but yeah, I. But here's the thing. Oh, you know what? Oh, it's First Reformed. Okay, so it's oh, Gattaca. Yeah, okay. so good. Yes, which First Reformed was such a sneaky movie. I didn't hear anything about it. And my boyfriend and I just like randomly watched it on Amazon Prime, I think, one night. And I mm-hmm. love it. It is Ali. You you look bewildered, so I'll tell you. It's have, it's the gritty tale. It. What is the movie? It's a, it's gritty, like a tale? gritty tale of him as like a sort of like like contemporary Christian pastor who has to like oh. reckon with the direction. And he's like a normal grounded guy, but the church has gone Hot. in a crazy way. And then he like gets wrapped up with these like radicals and it's, it's really, really good. You know what? Again, a tired father, but this time father like yes. priest. <laughs> yes. He's worn, so true. He's tired. He's a father of God or, or of the church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's the Ethan Hawke I remember as well, except for young, hot Ethan Hawke in Gattaca. So, oh my God, he's so hot in Gattaca. <laughs> yeah, so my, he's so hot in Gattaca. So my relationship to him is that he's like been like the sneaky actor in my life where I forget about him for five years and then it's like, there's Ethan Hawke. And he's like weaving in and out of good movies. Yeah. I think yeah, that's... He, he's like chameleon. He, right? He is and he isn't I think true for though. a lot of people because like <laughs> we kind of came into this podcast a similar way where like, it was kind of just like a realization like oh he's been in a lot of great things and and that's kind of what we didn't really come into it like oh you know yeah we weren't completists when we came yeah. in we haven't even we're still not completists we have you know i think i have like 10 15 more to watch before i've seen all of his movies um oh, really yeah wow so yeah i think it's i think it's that way for a lot of people mm-hmm. yeah we're because again i'm looking through and i'm like oh yeah he was in juliet naked i saw that I yeah. forgot he was in that. He's one of the main <laughs> characters, but mm-hmm. um, he's. Lovely. I forgot that he was in the Purge. Oh yeah, I can't. He was well, in the Purge too. I can't believe and he did Sinister. that. I was like, oh yeah, he was in a bunch of horror movies. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was a, a classic era, 2012 to 2013. <laughs> <laughs> so he's made some really interesting career choices. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, just a question. Gattaca, did you guys watch that in like a high school biology class, perchance? That is exactly where I watched it. <laughs> yes, that was what? my first time I saw it. It was like one of those required movies. We were learning about DNA <laughs> in genes, and we watched the movie Gattaca. And I remember getting really turned out in my science class. <laughs> and I... Was then like when I got home a couple weeks later, I was like, I gotta watch this movie again, um, and I did. And then, um, man, I just that scene with his brother where they're oh. swimming, and he oh always God. beats his brother swimming <laughs> mm-hmm. because you know he never really thinks about the end. He just keeps going and swimming and swimming. Oh, good. It's, I did not watch it in biology class. That's crazy. I, I, I think it's like two, <laughs> even though I don't think, I don't even know if sex happens in it, but it, it's, I mean, it is a sensual film. Oh, um, yeah. 
Yeah. So no, there's, so nobody... there's sex in it, right? Or did I they, make that up? Do, yeah. No, no it's him and Uma Thurman, his ex-wife Uma Thurman. Uh, oh my gosh, they have a daughter. Yeah, they do. Maya Hawk um, <gasps> she's, from she's Stranger Things. Yeah. And Little Women, and little, the BBC yes. version one. <laughs> yes. She was in the BBC Little um, And Yeah, but there is a sex scene in Gattaca that happened. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I can't remember yes. it, but I too remember feeling okay (laughs) i just remember lots of like scrubbing it was lots of like (laughs) scrubbing and like skin flying everywhere and like hair rubbing but that was more you know that had more to do with the dna part than you know the (laughs) sex part um but i just remember him washing himself a lot yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Wow, mm. Gattaca, love that one. That's a yeah, that's a real fan favorite. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do do mo do a lot of people come in with Gattaca? I would say Gattaca, Training Day, and Dead Poets Society are kind of the big three that oh. most people have seen. And the before and the before movies, ones. Yeah. yeah, I I think that like Gattaca though, because most people had that high school experience. Yeah, I didn't have a cool biology teacher, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Dead Poets Society, most people had like a cool, like we have a lot of like theater kids, I would say probably on the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you I, know. Love, I love theater kids. Wish I was one. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> Mia, you should have been a theater kid. <laughs> that's why I'm upset about it. And that's why I like them so much is because I just should have been a theater kid and just didn't, didn't, do, I did it later on. So bless them. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. Um, so today we're talking about Maggie's Plan, which yes. came out in 2015 and it was written and directed by Rebecca Miller. And um, this, I just had a real fun time watching this movie. Um, we had seen it before. We saw it in theaters five years ago when it came out. Um, before we were, you know, on this path to Ethan Hawke and mm-hmm. his essence. Um, <laughs> Where did, do you remember where we watched it? Yeah, we saw it at the regent in westwood village oh yes i love so not the landmark no we did not see it at the landmark because i don't think it was i think it was like on the way out and Mm. we just caught it because my dad saw it and he said you guys need to go see this movie (laughs) so we did (laughs) oh my gosh that is so funny i i don't i don't remember hearing about it when it came out weirdly yeah, I don't think it was like it got a pretty wide release. I think it, you know, only showed in this one theater, and that was maybe oh, really? it. <laughs> no, um, like, I, like oh. you know, like a limited release, like an LA, <laughs> New York situation. But okay, I just like that would kind of make sense to me because like Westwood's got those two tiny theaters, and I'm like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's what happened. Yeah. No, I just I... yeah. Oh, I just, yeah, I like Mia, I had never heard of this movie before. And then I saw the cast and I was like, oh my God, this is a rock star cast. Uh, how could I have never seen this movie before? Yeah, it really is. It's all, it's really fun to see all of these people together because, I mean, Ethan Hawke and Julianne Moore, icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greta oh Gerwig, God. you know, like millennial leading lady. Um, and oh Maya my Rudolph God. and Bill Hader really rounding it out with that that comedy. Uh, star you know, studded friends. i i cannot believe it never touched my radar because i love all those people i saw like all the greta gerwigs at a theater here in portland with my family when i was in high school um i'm like i can't believe i missed it. i'm so happy that we got to watch it for this 
Yeah. Um, well, should we get into it? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it starts out with Greta Gerwig and Bill Hader. And Bill Hader is like pushing his kind of a large child around in a stroller, uh, which is a fun ongoing gag because mm-hmm. he's you know, too old for that. Um, and yeah, so she's talking about her her plan to become like a single mother by choice um, using sperm from a guy that she describes as a pickle entrepreneur. Yeah, and so, you know, like, the whole movie starts off with her, her path to motherhood, but then she ends up meeting Ethan Hawke by chance, because they both work at the new school, uh, and they have kind of similar last names, and she ends up getting two paychecks, and he only gets one, like a classic meet-cute. Mm. Oh, my uh, God. Yes, uh, this a is, plus like, almost for textbook meet-cute. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. I, 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 I was gobsmacked when it happened, because I was like, wow, this is... This is a literal meet cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so then we learn from Maya Rudolph, who's friends with Greta Gerwig, uh, that he's the quote unquote bad boy of fictocritical anthropology. There's this one conversation. I think like, I mean, there are so many lines throughout this movie that are just so funny, but especially this conversation between Maya Rudolph and Greta Gerwig, yeah. like so many good lines. Yeah. Maya Rudolph is just the greatest. Yeah, she's really funny. Oh, when when they're like talking about the white, like, or they're talking about him for the first time, and my Rudolph's like, it's uh, like calling her an ice queen's been bandied around, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, ooh, we're in the world of academia. I'm, I'm gonna buckle up. <laughs> yeah, I liked that there was like a really specific like world that it was set in, you know, where it's like. This, it's New York academia, and they're all kind of a certain way, and it's just really fun. Is it? A, is that like a real field? Is that a real I, thing? I don't know that fictocritical <laughs> anthropology is real. Yeah. But it, it they did a good job of like building it. Yeah, it sounds like something <laughs> yeah. that could be, mm-hmm. you know, that I would have like seen in college and been like, I'm not going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> Also to like dive into the world a little bit more because we talked about, you know, this uh, very like intellectual world that this movie takes place in. This movie did a really good job, I feel like, showing off New York. Mm -hmm. Like New York almost felt like a character in this movie, which we do see in a lot of rom-coms. Yes. We see York as another character. (laughs) Um, And there was like, there was like... I think they're they're in some park. I want to say I don't know New York. I think well it's enough. like Washington, Washington Square Park. Square, yeah, Washington Square Park. Wow, I pulled that out of my ass. Yeah, you did it. Um, and like in it, it's like there's a girl who's like hula hooping, but like also dancing. And then there's this like guy who's like saying Shakespeare, but also like swearing at people. He's like, <laughs> I haven't paid my rent, but he's also like, you know saying uh some scene from a midsummer night's dream Mm -hmm. and um you know it's very i don't know it adds to the kind of like hectic indie atmosphere really well (laughs) yeah Yeah. yes the other thing i loved about specifically about that guy doing shakespeare in the park is that shakespeare is a huge part of like ethan hawk and his you know kind of oeuvre he was you know he did hamlet 2000 um he did this PBS special where he was preparing to play Macbeth. And he also did a movie called Cymbeline, which is like a lesser known Shakespeare um, work. And so 
to me, like just Ethan Hawke being in the same setting as anything Shakespeare related just kind of makes me laugh because mm-hmm. it's it's so it's so Ethan Hawke. He loves Shakespeare. <laughs> and he tips the guy too. In the yeah, movie. he does. Oh yeah, and the other thing, like when we first went on lockdown, like the he went out into like the forest behind his house, Ethan Hawke, and like on Instagram he did this thing where he was like reading King Lear or something. <laughs> I don't know. What? Yeah. He he just loves Shakespeare a lot. <laughs> that is very cool. And I don't know anybody that likes Shakespeare that much. That's very cool. Yeah. Um with did the monologue he did for uh, from King Lear, was it like blow winds and crack your cheeks? <laughs> was it that one? I don't remember because this was four months ago now because we've been inside for so long. Um, oh, so true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> but um yeah no it was it was definitely something dramatic and naturey you know (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um wow um yeah Oh, on the on the world in terms of um yes how much like new york played a role (laughs) i also felt i felt really um like like we dove into the world of academia because so many of the scenes were inside rooms with like lots of chairs yeah you know like i was like i don't know if i've ever seen a movie that like is this like it's like everything is inside a college and it almost was like in a fun way like claustrophobic Mm -hmm. where i'm like we're constantly like in fluorescent hallways and like in in dining areas that remind me of college and i was just like wow i haven't been in such like in such a niche little world for a long time I also kind of liked the fashion of academia in this movie oh my as God. well. Ooh, like yeah. Greta Gerwig's like use of like tights and socks on top of tights <laughs> was really compelling. <laughs> also her layering of plaids that clashed also very academia, very compelling. Ethan Hawke with his little wiry glasses and his must hair also oh. very academia fashion. Yeah. Julianne Moore with her big sweaters. Yes. Her big, chunky, <laughs> chunky sweaters. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like my Rudolph was wearing like a t-shirt that had something like kind of funny and political on it that I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, it did. I don't remember either, but I do remember being like, that's very fun. Yeah. And I feel like Bill Hader <laughs> was ready for the lockdown like <laughs> four years ago because he just had like the sweat shorts and like polos thing going yeah, on. Yeah, and he was very disheveled in this movie. Yes, yeah. He was having a hard time. He was the only one that wasn't like in academia because he's a lawyer. Just like, you know, grueling cases. Mm-hmm. Not really loving it. Drinking at home, cleaning up yeah. occasionally. I mean, it's, it's what could be life. more relatable? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ethan Hawke and Greta Gerwig start to develop a relationship, you know, a friendship, maybe something more. Uh, and he uh, he tells her that he's been working on a novel, which is also so Ethan Hawke. Yeah, we love we love it when Ethan Hawke is working on a novel. Um, every single character he's played, every single, almost every single character in Sinister, he's working yes. on a novel. Yes, yes, yes. really. Mm-hmm. And in um, Before Sunset, the second before movie, he is on his tour in Europe for his novel that he just wrote. Wow. Yeah. So. I, and I, I don't remember, but it's not the same. But in First Reformed, I, is he reading from his diary? He yeah, he's like writing. Diary, he's yeah. keeping a diary for yeah. sure. And that <laughs> you, <laughs> you actually get to hear it, too, in First Reformed. Because yeah. most, most of these novels are that he's writing we just know like the name and what it's about but Mm -hmm. we never like really hear anything 
about what it is. But in First Reformed, we get a sense of his writing style. Yeah. Which, is, you know, <laughs> which I loved. Depressed. It worked for me. Loved it. Yeah. No, it's, his, it's his writing style of like a flowery kind of language or is it kind of like terse and crisp? It's more Hemingway than <laughs> than Fitzgerald. Exactly hey, hey. Of course, yes. Uber masculine. <laughs> very masculine, very hot. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've read one and a half of Ethan Hawke's actual novels that he's written in real life. Um, oh my God. And they're, oh, no way. yeah, very like Bad. kind of angsty young man works, you oh. know. That makes sense. Yeah. That tracks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Allie loves it. I love it. I love but so do it. I. Who am I kidding? I love an angsty guy. Love, love an angsty masculine man. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we do too. This is our like 55th Ethan Hawk movie. So is it really? Or something like that. Yeah. Wow. We're in deep. Okay. Wow. That's incredible. I was gonna say I was on IMDb, and you guys are kind of getting closer to the end. We yeah. Are. I mean, he he did just write. I saw on IMDb. I'm such a little IMDb stalker, <laughs> but yeah. he has written like a TV show, so I feel like you could go into that. But if you you know, once you finish watching all of Ethan Hawke's movies, are you going to dive into his novels or start with a new actor? Or is there only Ethan Hawke in your guys' eyes? <laughs> well, I think we're your eyes. definitely keeping this podcast, Ethan Hawke. You know, we might move on to something else after we take a break mm-hmm. from podcasting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get through the movies and we're definitely going to cover the show. We might do like one epi- one podcast episode per episode of the show to make it stretch a little bit more. We'll see. Depends on what the show is like. We'll see in October. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I think we had one idea last week that was like maybe having guests come back on to talk about what their dream Ethan Hawke movies would be. Like if they could write a movie for Ethan Hawke, how that would play out. Oh my God. Oh yes. Well also like this is what I learned too from stalking him. I really, it was a deep dive guys. (laughs) But he, you know, you say he writes novels, but he also wrote a couple of the like before Mm -hmm. sunset movies. Like he's written quite a few um, movies as well. I had no idea. Yeah, so he yeah, and Julie he Delpy, they co-wrote with Richard Linklater the last two, and then on the first one, they kind of did rewrites on it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that wow. may, I guess that may also makes a lot of sense with Richard Linklater, because he is like, you know, he's like the um, David Attenborough filmmaking. Yes, like, yeah, very naturalistic, like you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very ficto-anthro-critical. critical yeah. Bringing it all back. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Ethan Hawke, his wife is Julianne Moore in this movie. Yeah, and, and she has another crazy accent. Yeah, she has a crazy which accent. I love. It's she- like, well, oh I thought God. it was funny because the subtitles when we were watching the movie said in Swedish, like, because they switch languages and it says Swedish, but then the school that the kids go to is a Danish school. Mm. So I wasn't sure what kind of accent that was supposed to be. Something kind of Scandinavian. Um, I I thought it was German, but then I looked it up and it's supposed to be Danish. Mm, okay. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I, I was oh. Also, just a quick sidebar on Julianne Moore's accents because I also uh, love a good Julianne Moore accent. Her Boston accent in Thirty Rock yes. is like one of my favorite yeah. things ever. 
And sometimes I just watch clips of her in 30 rounds <laughs> doing that Boston accent. <laughs> oh, my God. That is uh, so funny. Yeah, she's yeah she was good in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she's also kind of in this field. She's I don't think she's exactly a fictocritical anthropologist, the same as Ethan Hawke, but they do seem to some crossover. work. There's some crossover in their work. And um, we get to see them on stage in a debate together where they're talking about the use of the Guy Fox V for Vendetta mask yeah. in the Occupy movement, which really dates this movie. It like, sure you does. know exactly when it this sure happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so then that was kind of tense. We see, and also Wallace Shawn. Yes, he's late, um, and it's and they disagree, and it's really tense. But fun thing about that scene is Wallace Shawn is the one moderating that debate, Uh, and he's just—it's so fun to see him always. Um, It's like a thirty-second cameo. Yeah, it was a delight. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so then after the the debate, we see them at home. And it's also kind of tense. Ethan Hawke is like making dinner for the family and he's like, can we all just like not be on our cell phones? Can we be present? And then he gives up on that. Yeah. I love the bit when he's like, you want to text your friend? You want to go play Ninja Warrior? I had like a, t- I have a text I'd like to respond to. So let's just drop the pretense. And I was like, That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was called like Ninja... It, Ninja Revenger or something? Ninja Revenger, yeah. <laughs> it had like an insane name. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so then, so we know that things at home like aren't great for them. Yeah. And after that, we see a montage of Greta Gerwig and Ethan Hawke becoming closer. She's reading more of his novel. They're like going out on walks and stuff. And um, yeah. And so then this all leads up to the night that Greta Gerwig is going to inseminate herself with the pickle entrepreneur sperm. Yeah. Um, and he comes over and he forgets to bring it. So then he just like goes to the bathroom and like, you know, provides a sample. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's just a really great scene where he goes to do that. And then she turns on some music and she's just like really into it, dancing by herself. And then he comes um. out. And then she's like, you know, kind of embarrassed by it. But he's just looking at her with awe. And it's, I don't know, it's just kind of like a nice human moment. Mm. I really liked that a lot. How could she not fall in love with that pickle? I know. I mean, really. (laughs) I mean, really. Like, he wraps wraps his cup of sperm up in this, like, little cloth diaper. And it's the cutest thing ever. But I feel like, okay, I won't get ahead of the movie. But, um... Uh, I love that pickle man. Yeah. And I didn't, Ugh. who said actor? Was he, I should have, I did not stop him up. on IMDb, yeah. but he was so incredible. He was did, so it, lovely. Did, yeah. did I detect his very light accent on him? Did anyone else? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a light, mm-hmm. There was a light accent. A, a little less Julianne Moore, a little less, a little more, uh, you know. Oh, his natural. name is Travis Femmel and he's Australian. And he's he's known for the television series Vikings, which when you see him without the hair on top, yeah. you can you can see. I don't know if I can. There you go. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. Wow wow wow! Yeah. Oh wow 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 wow! Um, I that scene to me is like quintessential Greta Gerwig. Like, of course, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's doing this. He just of like, like 
She has a guest in her home who is masturbating in her bathroom, and she says, "Now is the time." Like, now is the time to yeah, do some impromptu, you know, dance. Greta Gerwig loves to so dance. So quirky. Oh, I know. Yeah, it took me. It harkened back to Frances Ha. Mm-hmm. It made me be like, "Oh yeah, she's just dancing. She's dancing whenever she can." Loved that scene. <laughs> loved loved that whole scene. And then when he tucks up the sperm in a little cute blankie. Wow, can't believe she. I mean, not to spoil things, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, there, yeah. So there is Pickle something. Ma- there's another little important moment in the scene where he talks yes. about how much he loves. He loves math. math. And he talks about how he's oh. touched the hem of math, but he doesn't need to see the whole dress or something. So yeah. he has some insane, like, insane metaphor for why he loves math. It's very sweet. It almost made me think for a second, oh, maybe math's not so bad. And then I was like, and then you remember. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it reminded me of like, um, what is that play that you do in every acting class? Proof. Oh proof. yeah, proof. Yeah. Well, <laughs> proof is, I think possibly the movie. Was there a movie with Gwyneth Paltrow? It's yes, the, yes, written it made by proof into a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I think Rebecca mm. Miller, who wrote oh this, God. wrote the screenplay for the movie. That <gasps> makes sense. Wow. Okay. She, yeah. Yeah. She, she might have borrowed a little bit of that like sexy math talk. That makes a lot of sense that she also wrote the screenplay for Proof because I've I've only heard math talked about in a sexy way two times. <laughs> One was Proof, and the second time was this movie. So I am. <laughs> So happy that we've made that connection. And it also makes sense. She seems like a very theatery person. This feels like a very theatery film where people are like, everyone's like in this little world and like they all want to talk about their niche topics all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I love that. Yeah. Love that she wrote the screenplay for proof. Yeah. It's all connected. Gwyneth Paltrow, Great Expectations, Ethan Hawke. It all comes true, around. True. Yeah. True. Ugh, to see he belongs in a period piece. Put him <laughs> in a period piece. Um, yeah, so she does end up using Pickle Guy's semen yes. to inseminate herself, but while she's doing it, it's it's really, like, f- amazing. I just, I just love this movie so much. I don't know. It's, it's so fun the way that everything works together to make a movie in mm-hmm. this movie. I don't know. Movies are magical. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she's, like, so she's inseminating herself. She's on speakerphone with Bill Hader and Maya Rudolph. They're like talking to her while she's doing it. And then she gets a uh, buzz on the doorbell. And so then she like crab walks over to where the doorbell is and uses her toe to uh, hit the talk button. Yeah. Um, and then it's Ethan Hawke outside. And then she's like startled and she's like, oh, and then she stands up and like gets semen everywhere (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then she quickly cleans it up and then uh lets him in and uh yeah it's a lot tells her he says i don't want you to have pickle guy's baby Mm -hmm. yeah and then she says and this is uh you know not entirely true she says oh i tried this i I already used his semen but it didn't work Mm -hmm. which you know not true not true because she had just used it that yeah. second and it may or may not have worked she couldn't know it's true yeah and i mean i've said it once i'll say it a million times i love when they normalize semen in rom-coms mm-hmm. love when a rom-com 
on a rom-com puts, <laughs> puts some semen out there that's when i'm like okay now we're 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 changing we're evolving we're we're, we're, we're changing the game mm-hmm. oh you're not yeah. terminator anymore nice wow hell yeah <laughs> and then of course you know okay they okay i really um they then they have you know the sex scene oh they do i I have a lot of i have lots of thoughts about i do too but you you should go for it (laughs) tell us your thoughts okay thank you so much okay you know so it's what's so fascinating is the you know the this is when I'm like, oh, this rom-com is going to be a little bit different than your normal <laughs> rom-com. Is um, usually the the two romantic leads don't hook up until around like minute 55, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. And they hook up at minute 20. And so that's when you're like, okay, there's more, you know, more j- shit to hit the fan. Sorry if you don't swear. Oh, no, podcast. we swear. It's okay. Uh, Okay, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was like, okay, shit's going to hit the fan. And then, you know, it. then they uh, kind of like subverted this classic rom-com trope, which is um, one of Mia's favorites, which is um, you have sex and then they cut out the middle part of sex. So it's like you see the first initial kind of like make-out sesh and like some slight undressing. And then it's like hard cut to the next morning. You don't see any of the like penetration or nitty gritties of <laughs> the sex um yeah. and this movie hard cuts from their initial you know first intimate encounter hard cuts to her with a baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow not even the wow. next morning no it's like- not even like post-sex like it is she has a child now <laughs> and i was like well, okay <laughs> yeah love it yeah the next time we see them it's like three years later that she has a very mm-hmm. cute daughter with like curly blonde hair um and oh. yeah and so they're now married and they live together and they have a daughter yeah a lot's happened yeah. wow what a take on the cut to the next morning trope i was floored as well <laughs> like, <laughs> we're in the future we're married we have kids we're taking care of the ex's kids but honestly i always find love triangles the love triangle trope stressful so to not have to deal with like julian Moore finding out in real time thank you for sparing me from that, that was, yeah very fun mm-hmm. yeah. skip over that part move on to the, the the juicy stuff yeah totally yeah i think um yeah, now that you've said that about the love triangle, it just makes me think of um, another movie with Julianne Moore, uh, The Kids Are All Right. That's oh, a really yeah. stressful love triangle. So stressful. Yeah. I've been thinking about that this whole time for some reason. And I keep thinking, like, is Ethan Hawke in that movie? And it's not. It's Mark It's Mark Ruffalo, Ruffalo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so stressful. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a it's another married love triangle situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so we're three years ahead now, and Ethan Hawke is still working on the book, and Greta Gerwig does, like, all of the practical stuff, you know, like, she takes care of their kid, and also the Julianne Moore's kids, and also yeah. she, like, supports them financially, and she does all the cooking and cleaning and, like, does everything and watches every all of the kids and does everything. It's a lot. Yeah, it gave me anxiety just a little bit just because I relate with Maggie's character and that like I and I think Mia's like this too. We but correct me if I'm wrong, Mia, but we tend to, you know, um, we're helpers, you know, and Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, we we want to, you know, 
I want to make other people happy. And then I find myself doing things where I'm like, okay, how did I, hmm, I don't, hmm, I don't remember agreeing to all of this, but somehow I am now, I am doing, my life is like living for other people. Um, and that was like kind of stressful. And also it was interesting too that like it felt, I mean, like Greta Gerwig's character, Maggie, had a very like manic pixie dream girl vibe in which she was yeah. like living, you know, like her sole purpose was to like live for other people and make other people's lives like magical and like kind of whimsical. And then you find that she's not only doing that for Ethan Hawke, but also for Julianne Moore. And it's like, oh, <laughs> no, we're seeing a manic pixie dream girl push to her utter limits. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and you're you are yes you are spot on, Allie. I also am in danger of being um, a Greta Gerwig manic pixie dream supporter type. <laughs> in that um, that moment where she's like, I have work later, and then she like looks at him and is like, Well, I could I could push my meeting, and I'm just like, Oh, the number of times I'm like, I have something, and then I'm like, I'll move it. And it's like, <laughs> Oh no, yeah. That also I found that very stressful yeah yeah for sure the the thing that really that i thought was really wild was a little bit later we learned that julian moore has never met greta gerwig so like greta gerwig has been like taking care of her kids like at least 50 percent of the time like at least mm -hmm. and truly they have never met until uh greta gerwig goes to julian moore's book signing yeah yeah um yeah so at the book signing it's what was the book called it was something about a geisha which yeah. you know bring back the geisha yeah. or something something weird yeah um and it's entirely like based on you know their really their their story and yeah. how ethan hawk left her for greta gerwig mm -hmm. um so but so greta gerwig goes with Maya rudolph to the book reading and she sees her talk and she's like oh i, I like i love her i mean you know i love this woman and i think that julianne moore and ethan hawk should get back together and it would solve everyone's problems and we'd all be happy yeah which, which is, is an insane plan yeah it's an insane plan um but it's a little bit where i think the the midsummer night's dream from earlier on becomes relevant it's you know she's doing a little scheming a little mixy mixeroo mm -hmm. uh yeah and so she tells julianne more about this scheme and rightfully julianne more gets upset and tells her to leave yeah <laughs> they, they she goes to her intensely you know perfect home mm-hmm and Julianne Moore like stands like really, really close to her, like and kind of just towers over her like LBJ style. <laughs> and then she, yeah, she just like tells her to leave. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, I did really love her home. Mm -hmm. I feel like oh. you wouldn't, but I loved it. It was just uh, yeah, no, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice it was just like it's very like sleek modernist yeah yeah you know? it's kind of intense yeah it's a lot yeah and i like that um yeah so then when greta gerwig like realizes that this plan isn't gonna work out probably she tries to make things work with ethan hawk again and they have like a fun scene where they go on a date to oh i loved that. yeah they mm. go to chinatown and he um, takes her to like a secret gambling thing beneath a rest a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And um, they seem to have like a nice time and then they end up staying in a room because it's also a hotel, this building. 
um and they you know they have sex and then the next morning though they get into this huge fight again yeah 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 it's something i'll say about this movie and especially that scene in particular i feel like does a good job of it is like you know often with rom-coms they tend to um sometimes it seems like oversimplify relationships or um a lot of the relationship issues are like an external obstacle that the couple has to get over together Mm -hmm. um and in this in this movie all of the obstacles are definitely internal um that they're facing and because of that it i mean like this this love triangle is really weird and messy and like um but it also feels very honest like an honest depiction of love that it's like yeah it's it is weird and messy and like sometimes your biggest fights you try to like hide like problematic areas in a relationship by going on these big romantic things or like i usually have really big fights always after valentine's day and i think it's maybe (laughs) who knows i mean it's like oh we like work really hard to have a good time and then afterwards it all just you know crumbles and the the problems are still there gaping um but yeah so i really i really related with this part of the movie and i thought that you know did a really good uh did a really good job um yes i fully i fully relate to that ally and i um, thank you yeah and i also appreciate i relate to that idea and i also appreciate yeah that um you get to see this couple like go in and out of their fun areas Mm -hmm. and that it doesn't feel super binary right where in a lot of times in rom-coms when like the couple shouldn't be together we have what we call the one-dimensional x where ethan hawk's character Mm -hmm. maybe would be presented as just an absolute douchebag which he isn't they don't not present him as a douchebag but then he takes her to this very fun like speakeasy poker place and they like do have fun together and love each other and then he's a douchebag again um so yeah i thought that was that was it kept me on my toes kept me on my toes and julianne moore's character wasn't a one-dimensional ex either which was really nice like you would think like she was primed to be like an ice queen kind of bitch but then you find out that you know she's really like lovely and and tender and kind and it's like oh yeah this movie just reminds you every everybody's a three-dimensional person more complex than you would originally mm-hmm. think and so love gets more complex as well yeah yeah definitely like the things that make the couples in this movie work and not work aren't like that they're like good or bad it's like about the like the way that they act when they're together you know so like julianne moore and ethan hawk are both like too you know focused on their academic work you know and so when that when those two things come together it makes it difficult for both of them to feel seen i think in their relationship but like yeah. then when greta gerwig and ethan hawk are together you know she really like does way too much and you know they both let that happen until it like they reach a breaking point yeah yeah totally yeah sure. what a cool movie <laughs> yeah. wow it's complicated it's rich yeah it's rich um in that fight scene in the chinatown hotel there's um one line that just really got me where 
she's asking, um, do you think you'd ever want to have another kid? And he says, I don't know, four kids seems like a lot. And Ethan Hawke in real life has four kids, two from his first marriage and two from his second marriage. So I just thought that was really fun when he said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I also love when she comes back with, why do you care? It would just be one more kid to ignore. Yeah. Like so <laughs> nicely. Oh. Where, where I was like, shit, Greta Gerwig. I also have been there where it's like you're in a fight and you're like, don't say this. And then you're don't like, I'm going to say it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, don't say it. Don't say it. I'm going to say it. What? And then you say it. And she's like, presents it as if it's an actual question, but it's like the me- meanest. <laughs> it's vicious. But I get it. I'm on her side. He's, he yeah. kind of, if anyone's a caricature of a bad person in the movie, if it's, it's him, he's It's Ethan Hawke. Yeah. It's Ethan <laughs> But, but, um, yeah, that was, I was like, damn, serve cold. Greta. <laughs> Yeah, so luckily for Greta Gerwig, though, Julianne Moore decides that she's on board with the plan now, and she wants Ethan Hawke back, and she wants to conspire with Greta Gerwig to make it happen. Yeah, she comes to see her at the school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so she's, oh. she sits down in front of her, and she's like, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, and so they... <laughs> They make it happen that there's like a fictocritical anthropology conference in Canada or something. <laughs> and uh, and so she's like, I could easily get them to have Ethan Hawke do it, read a paper. And so, you know, she's going to be there and he's going to be there. And it's like snowy and magical. And um, yeah. Oh God, it was really romantic and magical. <laughs> it was. <laughs> that, oh, I won't, I won't go ahead i won't go ahead but i'll just i like that no them drinking those big glasses of brandy in front of that <gasps> warm fire oh my god oh, i was like oh, i want i want brandy right now and i want a <laughs> I want a fire and a small band to be playing oh, i want to sit next to t- ethan hall <laughs> on a fuzzy fuzzy couch full of fur Oh, all these like a small group of academics dancing around like a two-person band singing dancing in the dark yeah and yeah. it was like <laughs> and it, it did remind me it reminded me of um studying abroad in college which uh it's, it's been a while since i've like been to like a picturesque european place and i was just like this is so cool and we can't leave our homes but it, it was like <laughs> it's so nice to see it and yeah i'm like i get i get why it got romantic totally romantic yeah scene. it was a good plan yeah, especially when Julianne Moore is like dropping hotlines like no one unpacks commodity fetishism like you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and she like she's so like committed to this plan that she's like willing to let them get lost in the snow yeah. for it to work cuz she like clearly intentionally they're like hiking so the whole place is snowed in. They're supposed to they're supposed to have like left 2 days ago or whatever and they're like hiking through the snow. And she like falls down and like very <laughs> dramatically yells out. Um, and she does this twice just to make sure that they lose the the rest of the uh, troop that they're with. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's very it's smart, yeah. but also, you know, risky because they could get stuck <laughs> there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very rom com too. They're like, oh, I tripped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the quirky klutz, um, although she's doing it on purpose. Um, yeah. And also just like looking at this movie again in terms of like the structure of a rom-com. 
and it would be interesting to compare this movie against other kind of like love triangle rom-coms but like Julianne Moore and Ethan Hawke's character get together around like minute like 60 ish like so around like one hour and usually that's where you know that's where it's like oh I bet they end up together because if you're getting together around minute 60 that's usually you know Mm -hmm. that's in a rom-com where the two leads you know hook up for the first time and so it's like okay okay so this movie in a weird way is like uh julianne moore and ethan hawk are the like romantic leads and maggie has somehow become a side character in her own movie <laughs> that's true um my, which fits with her character of trying to you know make other people happy um you know, is she is again on the side while they are hooking up. I feel like you're uh, you're like the pickle guy using numbers to to analyze this this situation. <laughs> Honestly, the greatest compliment you could ever give. <laughs> love pickle man, pickle like entrepreneur. Pickle man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, so funny. Yeah. So. Ethan Hawke comes to Julian's Julian Moore's room and um, kind of similar to that first scene when he goes to Greta Gerwig's place and he's, you know, like overcome with like, so it's like desperate need to be with her. Yeah. You know, it kind of mirrors that. And this time though, it's with Julianne Moore and uh, Julianne Moore is like, Oh yeah. She like almost tells him like, wait, no, like we've, you know, this is a plan that I've hatched with Maggie. Yeah. Um, But she, she, but she doesn't and they end up hooking up. Yeah. Um, so then when Ethan Hawke comes, gets home finally to Greta Gerwig, he, you know, admits to her that he slept with Julianne Moore and then she acts like she's like, you know, taking it, you know, like, like, oh no. I mean, like, okay, well, I think you guys should get back together now. It's all for the best. It's fine. Don't worry about me. And she's like, has like, you know, she's like lightly crying, but not really. Um, I mean, yeah, that shows you what a great actress Greta Gerwig is, or maybe not, because she can't even like fake act. She's like, <laughs> even in her like pretend acting, she still cries. <laughs> it's like, yes. wow, even like half-ass acting, you're full-on crying right now. So kudos to you. Yeah, yeah, that 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 caught me off guard too because Maggie, like the whole time, it's like everyone's been like Maggie wants to do this because Maggie's a Quaker. You know, like Maggie like <laughs> wants things to be like right with the world, and then it's like then she's doing this and she fake cries after conspiring to get her, her husband to sleep with his ex wife, and then I was like, damn, Maggie is like in it for the long con. Like I understand being sad, but it's like she's like tearing up. I'm like, damn, Maggie, you're like you're like very manipulative at this point. Yeah, you're like almost full psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I do. She's not, but. A little bit. But, yeah. Like, but it was. Like, she's, you know, a puppeteer. Yeah, I think yeah. control freak is the word that's, like, you know, used quite a bit in this movie for yeah. her. Yeah. I can kind of imagine her, like, in a, a, a edited scene, just kind of, like, practicing her emotional <laughs> reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, practicing different possibilities, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. That is... That is true. How do you react when your husband tells you he sleeps with his ex-wife, but you wanted him to? Yeah, you set it up. It's a tough, yeah, tough to know what the right response is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there was a way for her to play that so that, like, if 
he found out that she knew all along that he wouldn't be as upset by it, you know? Like, a way for her to say, you know, like, oh, like, I figured something like that would happen. Like, preemptively saying that she ex- had expected that instead of just yeah. act- pretending like she didn't expect it and that it was a surprise to her. Yeah. Oh, you I know? see. So that later, you know, had it come out that she, it was their scheme all along, then he was like, oh, well, you know. She could deny like lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I was this psycho and was doing this here's what i would do when my husband got back and told me i would say you know i thought maybe something like that was gonna happen and do you want to know the worst part i sort of hoped it would (laughs) (laughs) because then it would have come yeah totally yeah it would have really it's like i told you without telling you so by the time you find out are you that mad i already told you i wanted this to happen Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I think I think my response would be because I don't think I could fake cry, um, but I think I would maybe like laugh because I'm messed up. But um, I think what I would do is I would just like I would just silent. I would like stare off in the distance stoically and then just walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. Like I just wouldn't say anything. <laughs> Genius. Yeah. Genius. Yeah, plausible yeah, yeah. deniability. It's like well, well, exactly plausible deniability. Yeah. Well, that was I was silent because I was guilty. I was silent because I was angry. I was, you know, I was yeah. like, say, it can go anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway. anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's true. So many ways to play this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then uh, Ethan Ark tries to, he goes to Julianne Moore's place, but then the kids start think it's weird that he's there. So he, you know, doesn't stay there. And he's trying yeah, to figure the out. The teen daughter has a good, like, bullshit. Yeah. Radar. She's like, why are you here? She yes. just does not. She has zero tolerance. Yeah. For she's nonsense. like, isn't that the point of being divorced that you're not a family anymore? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then he ends up going to Maya Rudolph and Bill Hader's place, and um, Bill Hader is pretty drunk after a long day at court. Yeah. And ends up revealing that this was Maggie's plan all along. Yes. Yeah. Because he <laughs> Ethan Ock says like I. He, he he confesses what he did mm-hmm. and then bill Hader immediately says oh so it worked <laughs> and then everyone's like <laughs> and then he realizes what had happened mm-hmm. that's the real that's the real that's the real problem you can play it any way you want but if you tell someone who's not trustworthy you know yeah this yeah. is a Here, real here's the thing i have a question about that moment when bill spills the beans is i think he's in love with her still right bill like, hater i felt wow. like throughout bill hater like from the first because they like yeah, dated so. previously like that was the first scene and i felt like there's still weird kind of like jealousy and like possessiveness he had over her maybe i'm just projecting here. no i agree but, with you 100%. Um, but like yeah i mean it was kudos to bill hater because i thought he acted his little butt off this movie. yeah um yeah. and because like he his character did not need to be that layered and it definitely was mm-hmm. it felt like he yeah. still had feelings for her and was like possessive over her and there's that one scene where he gets like really really angry at her mm-hmm. i think and it's like okay anyone who gets that angry at you you know there's like it felt like there was something else besides just like, oh, I'm annoyed with my friend. It was like, I'm angry and sexually frustrated <laughs> at my friend. But that's me again. You know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But 
No, I no, agree. No, I agree. Because there was even that point where like Maya Rudolph is like, you just want to keep her for yourself. Like you would still want to keep her around. And I was like, as the movie went on, I was like, yeah, kind of. And it was like her and Bill Hader's characters, their marriage, like they bickered in a way that I was like, it's almost cute, but it's like not quite cute enough. <sighs> you know, like this is almost adorable, but something here seems like amiss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that saw that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Definitely that scene where they're fighting made me so confused when she was like, you're not yeah. being my friend right now. And I was like, why are you being her friend right now? Mm-hmm. And then she starts you crying and then he that. like wipes her tear away. It's real. It's yeah. real yeah. You don't do that. <laughs> just you don't do that. <laughs> you don't. I do not touch my friend's tears. I don't. I, I and have I, never touched it's illegal in my life. <laughs> it's illegal. Oh. You don't, you're allowed to. <laughs> I'll put a I'll put a box of tissues in front of them, but that's it. Yeah, as far as I'm wiping, tear wiping is intimate. Yeah, (laughs) that's why I usually just get like a a little fan and just (laughs) blow it off their face. Yeah, that's how you that's how you establish friendship. Yeah, yeah. Here's a fun bit now. Yeah. Um. So after all that, Ethan Hawke goes back to his place with Greta Gerwig, and he you know starts collecting his things and that's when they have like the real fight yeah and um there was one exchange that i really liked where greta gerwig says i want to live honestly and then he says well you're off to a great start yeah and then he like storms off (laughs) which is true i mean yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's not a very honest thing to do yeah no it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) because you're it's like they do a really good job of making you upset with ethan hawk because you're like, wow, he's so self-centered by the time we've cut to their marriage. But then by the time she does this, you're like, yeah, I guess that's worse. Because like, <laughs> he was just like being selfish and this is what, what you have done is wild. Yeah. Wild yeah. choice. His, yeah. his everything he did is like impulsive, but she like, you know, manipulated the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, complex people. Blood. They're complex yeah. people. Complex characters. Yeah. And after that, Ethan Hawke kind of goes MIA. And then this thing happens that I always think, you know, like when there's like a love triangle and there's like a bad guy in the middle of it, I always think like, why don't the two women just get together and raise the kids? And that's exactly what happens in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you love to see it. Uh, So, yeah. I loved to see it. It was beautiful. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. It was so sweet. When Julianne Moore put a Band-Aid on Greta Gerwig's finger, I was like, oh, my God, kiss. Oh, my God, kiss, kiss, kiss. This is the ending I want. I didn't think about it, but now I want it. Um, Oh, I want that. They did not kiss, though. They, But they were friends. But it would have been cool if, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, that would have been I wanted to see it. There was chemistry there. Undeniable chemistry. (sighs) Oh, absolutely. And then Greta's like sort of like soft and like, I don't know. And she's like hard and like Julia yeah. Moore's like hard and like um, authoritative. That's there's something there. There's something yeah. There. Mm-hmm. I also think it's funny that Greta Gerwig kind of ended up back in the same situation, but with Julianne Moore, where like Julianne Moore <laughs> yes. is kind of the same as Ethan Hawke in the sense of like, she, yeah, I, Ethan Hawke is sort of absent minded. No, Ethan Hawke is kind of laser focused on something else and julianne moore is just a little bit like absent-minded when it comes to like household stuff Mm -hmm. 
because she like puts something she, she puts, puts like dish soap like for in the yeah. sink in the in the washing machine yeah, which yeah, doesn't yeah. work i guess yeah yeah because yeah because you need like you know <laughs> special wash, detergent I, 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 i've never used a, yeah. a dishwasher before so um so i would have done the same thing so yeah yeah i don't know who did it somebody i had that happen but it was in college it was one of my roommates and i don't know it could have been me i don't think it was <laughs> it was one of us one of us did that um yeah yeah i saw that on an episode of the brady bunch when i was a kid and i was like oh i know now that's the thing you shouldn't do mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. what this means yeah um yeah and so uh, oh yeah, so Julianne Moore is like reading Ethan Hawke's novel. That's kind of yes. they're trying to. I think they're trying to like put their lives back together and figure out what they're gonna do. And part of that for her is like trying to understand what he's been doing for yeah. the last few years, which is writing this novel that's like too long and like you know going nowhere right. and doesn't make any sense. Um, and then they have this. How long does that period last for? Where it's the two of them with the kids. Is it short or is it longer? I imagine it's like a month. I thought it was shorter. Like a couple weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 Um, it's long enough that they're like, oh, we don't know what happened to him. And the daughter's like, oh, we're going to a baseball game. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also classic Ethan Hawke taking the kids to a baseball <laughs> game. Um, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So Ethan Hawke bought a motorcycle. Yeah. I was thinking about this because <laughs> this is like reverse boyhood. In Boyhood, he has the sports car, and then he trades it for a minivan. Mm-hmm. And now he's traded this whatever the sensible mi- thing he was driving for a motorcycle. Yeah. So it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so then he meets up with Julian Moore, and she tells him how to fix the book, which is basically like combining the novel with like you know some academic writing. Yeah, she brings him the ashes of his book, <laughs> and he's like, you burned my book. And she says... No, I burned a copy of your book to kind of to kind of be like it's not that big of a deal like you still have it somewhere else it's mm-hmm. you know. And then she tells him like yeah like if you she's like you tried to insert a thesis into this novel which is why it doesn't work as a novel. And if you had tried to make this into like a work of nonfiction it would be really good. And so she kind of helps him understand like the story that he's been trying to tell for so long um in like a sentence. And it's kind of like, you know, you think that like she burns the book because she doesn't care or whatever, but she, 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 she read it and she thought about it enough to like come up with an actual, you know, Solution. sensible answer. So I, this, this was like one of my favorite yeah, right. scenes in the movie, this scene. And then the one where he's fighting with her when he's like leaving, mm-hmm. uh, I thought those are two, two good scenes. That just hearing you say that just made me realize that Julianne Moore and him and their children also have another conversation about theses. Theses? That sounded wrong. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Theses. At the beginning of the movie with the daughter, and she's like, Why do I have to have a thesis and a conclusion, mm-hmm. par- like a concluding paragraph? And the mom's like, Because you have to like show that you proved your point. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I and then I so now I wonder how those tie in together. Which then at the end of the movie, the characters are saying you tried to put a thesis in here and you shouldn't have. Yeah, and you should like synthesize it. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Was in, wow, yes. I know it's above my head, but it, there's something there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this movie there is a lot like of the, like. Oh yeah, go for it. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say there are a lot of like nice parallels in this movie where you see like you see the first family dinner scene where everybody's like not really listening to each other and they're on their phone and you see Ethan's making dinner and Ethan's cleaning up dinner. And then the second dinner scene, you see like it's more of like a shared family unit where everybody's talking and and, you know, he uh, Julianne's character kind of like helps share some of the responsibility. And it's kind of, it felt like kind of maybe like a thesis like this is like the intro and then you see like you know how their relationship can like work in that other scene as like a conclusion it's a bit of a stretch but <laughs> i'm gonna pitch it <laughs> Ooh, i like it i like it yeah i definitely think that there was like a structure to this movie that was like a you know a strong like beginning middle and end yeah. and yeah. you know like uh yeah like it was making an argument sort of in fiction yeah i mean all of the all of the pieces in this movie are like on their own tracks and they're all moving in their own directions in a way that's real and also services the story because i think a lot of the time sometimes you have like these side characters that exist almost entirely to just like give you a break from other characters but here you had you know bill Hader is like ends up being part of the story and he has his own motivations and things like that so yeah, all, all of the moving parts kind of flow together, but they also, you know, move independently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so then the movie ends with um, Lily, the daughter's birthday party at the ice rink. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole family is there. You know, they're like one big modern family now, which is fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Ethan Hawke and Julianne Moore seem happy together. Uh, Greta Gerwig is happy just raising her daughter and um, we see Maya Rudolph and Bill Hader are there you know the gang's all there and then in the distance we see Pickle Guy who um, we see while Lily the daughter (laughs) just keeps saying really big numbers for like a three-year-old yeah she says like a lot of big numbers and then we see him and it's like oh I get it yeah 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 and and Maya Rudolph and Bill Hader are kind of the ones that like they're like, what, why does she like math? Like they, they kind of ask and she's like, oh, I don't know. And then she kind of, you see her just kind of thinking about it some more. Just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I was I like watching her eyes when she was watching Pickle Guy show up, Pickle Man, Pickle Entrepreneur, mm-hmm. when he yeah. was walking up. I felt like she it was like, not only like, oh, this is the father of my child, but like, I'm going to love this man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the vibe I got. I got the vibe too. Like there was a yeah. lot being said in that final glance of hers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Can't wait for Maggie's plan too to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> How she plans to get back with pickle pickle entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then break up with him and try to get him back together with pickles. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, nothing could ever tear him away from pickles. He'll always love pickles. Yeah. Which I respect. I like pickles too. Yeah. I mean, he's got that business deal with Whole Foods. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's serious. It is serious. Yeah. Um, Did you have any most Ethan Hawk lines? Oh. I don't know if I really took any down because the whole thing felt like a really Ethan Hawk character. Everything he said was just Ethan Hawk. I like. I. This is early on where he says where they're at the the dinner not the dinner they're they're at the cafeteria and Maya Rudolph is talking to Greta Gerwig about Ethan Hawke like kind of telling and Ethan Hawke is like sitting like right there like it's a small cafeteria 
And then she overhears him say uh, that someone says they're, 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 he's reviewing someone's something that someone had written. And then they use the word like in the sentence. And then he's like, he says, uh, like is a language condom. <laughs> just, just really funny to me. <laughs> so that's the, that was my pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's I liked when, I don't have the line down exactly, but when um, they were leaving after they first meet at the with the woman who was giving them their checks, mm-hmm. um, he's like, oh, she's tough. You know, like Cerberus, she could guard the gates of hell. Yeah. I thought that was fun. And Ethan Hawkey. Yes. Yeah. That was, yeah, I, I remember that. that was so funny. Yeah, you know, literary. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Did you guys have any really strong Ethan Hawke moments where you just thought this is the man himself on screen? <laughs> I felt like, this sounds weird, but the shirt he was wearing, I felt like he wore like one shirt for most of the <laughs> movie, which is like this like kind of like, brown button up with like big pockets made out of like a rough fabric mm-hmm. that just i think kind of oozes that uh, uber masculine kind of uh, academic vibe that i feel like is very ethan hockey um also just him walking into that coffee shop with a leather jacket and his motorcycle helmet um and he his hair had, did this little like spiky thing that I feel like kind of um, I I associate with Ethan Hawke. Very Ethan Hawkey hair. Totally. Oh, absolutely. For me, it's um, I'm sure it was written in the script, but it just feels very masculine and terse to make a hot toddy, but call it a hot whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. I'll make us hot whiskeys and he describes what's in it. I'm like, that's a hot toddy. Yeah. That's a hot toddy, man. <laughs> it's a very feminine drink called a hot toddy, but we're calling them hot whiskeys. Whiskeys. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um and then Greta Gerwig, the most I just because I have to, because she's so, Greta she's, Gerwig is such a phenomenon unto herself. When she's just like, You eat like Miss Mr. Fox. <laughs> you know, the role doll book made into an animated film. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was thinking about this because uh I forgot yeah, because she because uh, that's directed by the movie obviously the book Burl Doll, but the movie directed by Wes Anderson. And then she Greta Gerwig is in Isle of Dogs, which is mm. Wes Anderson's second <gasps> animated yes. movie yes so. and Saoirse Ronan is also into Wes Anderson movies and two Greta Gerwig directed films yes it all ties together whoa it's all connected whoa we almost have it all mapped out we almost <laughs> have it all figured out solved the matrix Nina, quick get the yarn get the yarn, get the yarn. <laughs> <laughs> spin it up <laughs> Well, yeah, um, I've pulled up some reviews. They were positive. We don't have to get into it. Jonathan, do you have something you'd like to share with us? Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, it's time for a hawk fact. Would would you, either of you Ooh. care to do a hawk noise? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mia, maybe, well, on three, Mia, let's do one together. One, okay, one, two, two three. three. <laughs> that was so good. That was like, uh, what is that called when they stand on each other? um stack no stacking because stacking i don't know there's a thing where hawks stand on top of each other and that's what you guys were doing right now it was beautiful Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. that's the cutest oh my god 
We're having so much fun. I wonder, I wonder if three hawks ever stand on top of each other and then put a trench coat around themselves <laughs> to pretend to be a man. Maybe. Maybe the that's dream. what it's all about. That's what it's maybe really for. What, and we never knew. What Ethan Hawke is in this movie because he is wearing, speaking of fashion choices, he's wearing this like this really big like coat mm-hmm. that has like pockets like on the back mm-hmm. and the front. It feels very like yeah. militaristic. Anyway, so that's what, yeah. Could be full of hawks. Um, so this movie deals a little bit with uh, artificial insemination. And so I was thinking about, you know, a little hawk growing up in a nest made by its another hawk, its mother, is just as real as a baby hawk growing up in a nest made by humans. So I was looking at uh, the, the use of artificial nests mm-hmm. uh, in mm. creating... Uh, basically building nests for hawks and other raptors so you know there's like people make bird houses and things like that and those little uh feeders hummingbird feeders but you can actually do the same thing for hawks as well um and the reason that they do that this is from unm.edu uh basically you place uh you place them where natural nests are absent or are in poor condition which can actually help introduce hawks to that area and what it does is that hawks are like a valuable part of the ecosystem they kind of can deal with pests and unwanted like bugs and uh, vermin and all those kinds of things so they're like a valuable part of the ecosystem so if you introduce if you want to introduce hawks to your area you can actually like build a nest um and there's this uh study also from unm that was saying that they they basically built nests and they found that uh, ferruginous ferruginous hawks uh, can sure. be attracted to nest on artificial platforms, um, but interestingly enough, they don't like the platforms if they're sh- covered in shade, so they mm. like to be able to see their nests. Ooh, like we toasty. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, and so they can they they'll like you know they'll build a nest on this artificial nest and they'll actually use it and all that stuff um and there's an interesting thing about owls as well how they owls don't build their own nests apparently they usually nest in places in abandoned red-tailed hawk nests um what yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah apparently wow not realize owls are freaking lazy yeah well they're kind of just inserting themselves into another you know relationship much like in this movie i guess Ah. Um, connections wow and so owls owls are wise and maggie likes reading books that's so true (laughs) and so owls will also use um artificial nests as well if Mm -hmm. you if you build them and there's a there's even a, a guide from uh, mom.me. <laughs> I've re- gone to the site a lot of times. I don't know who runs the site, but they have a lot of interesting information about birds. I don't know. Um, and they basically give advice on like how to build a fa- uh, artificial nest for your for your hawks. Um, it should be wow. two feet wide, two oh, square feet. It's pretty big. Yeah, it makes sense though. And it has and it has to be high up. That's the thing. Oh. So that's that's the trick is you got to get it high up enough to where they're actually going to want to land on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, it seems like you're 
you're allowed to do this. There aren't really any sort of um, restrictions on this. Uh, and you can, and having hawks and raptors and things like that in your backyard is, can be good. Cause like I said, um, they can help control pests and rodents and things like that Mm -hmm. that's interesting that there aren't any restrictions on that because i know because didn't you say earlier that like feathers and things you can't pick like it's illegal to like pick up a hawk feather because they're like endangered or something right yeah yeah so there's like very tight rules about like uh yeah picking up feathers and um you can't keep a rat uh any raptors as pets um but i think just building a nest uh if you just build it it's kind of you're not like you're not like keeping keeping it, it. it's yeah. just it's it's building the nest itself so i think that's different um yeah it is kind of interesting because the reason the re- we talked about this before but the reason for the feather rule is that uh there's no way to prove that you didn't mm-hmm. get that feather by like killing a hawk or killing another animal killing an eagle whatever so owning it is basically like um you know it's just great yeah. with other and you can get like a serious fine for doing it mm-hmm. but they make exemptions for like Na- native americans and things like that so i don't know a lot about hawk laws we now. know so much about hawks now <laughs> well i've had to come up with 55 facts yeah. as you say so yeah. it can be tough but yeah yeah wow i had no idea yeah. But I do know the city, the city I'm in right now that I just returned home to during quarantine. Um, we did that. The city did it for ospreys. So they made artificial ospreys. Yeah, I was reading about that too. Yeah, they, they mentioned that because they, they was, it was saying that like ospreys will often, because they're like water, water hawks, hawks basically. Yeah. Uh, they build nests on like buoys and things like that. Like they'll build their nests in any sort of like man-made structures. But what happens is that like buoys and things like that are used for things and they have to be maintained. So a lot of the times, like when they get maintained or cleaned or moved or whatever, it disrupts the habitat. So that's part of the reason that they build secondary nests for ospreys so that they, ospreys don't end up, uh, you know, building nests places where it's just going to get destroyed later on. So. Oh, that makes sense. Cause I didn't even know why we did that. I was just like, then they just put in a bunch of osprey nests. <laughs> <laughs> were they labeled like how did you know that they were building osprey nests um i just everyone started saying it <laughs> <laughs> it was just the talk of the town have you heard have you heard they're building osprey nests <laughs> well it was at this like it's at this one park that like i would go to for like town events so whenever i was there with like anybody they would be like do you see they're not they, that's what they with the osprey nests and at first I thought they meant ospreys were building their nests up there. And then I realized that they were fake osprey nests. And I never understood what was going on until this very moment. Wow. wow. Well, I'm glad so, I could help. <laughs> I'm really glad we cleared that up because it, it was like, when, you know, it's like when someone you like pretend to know what someone's talking about mm-hmm. and All then the mm-hmm. you just can't admit it and it's just like years of people being like and the osprey nest is up there maybe like right right Right, uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) but now 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 i get to say and you know why they're there (laughs) for owls just for owls (laughs) (laughs) those owls (sighs) well thank you for that fact jonathan sure anytime yeah and thank you guys for joining us um now we're gonna go around and say where the people can find us and um something we've enjoyed outside of ethan hawk 
and anything else you'd like to plug. So um, I'm Harper. You can find me on the internet at Harping About. And um, the listeners may remember that last month I watched all eight seasons of The Vampire Diaries. So last <gasps> week I watched the spinoff series Legacies, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. So very nice. Excellent. Yeah, that's wow. my that's my thing this week, Jonathan. Well, I'm Jonathan. You can find me on IG and Letterboxd at John Zavaleta. Uh, a thing I've been enjoying, I've said this for the last four episodes, but we finished it now, and uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, we just watched the final We did, whatever. we finished it. It's the first time I'd ever seen it, and I feel like I've uh, grown as a person. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Love Great it. show. Great show. Um, Mia? Um, oh, yes. Um, yes, I'm Mia, and you can find me on Instagram at it's Mia Schaffler, or on Twitter at Mia Schaffler. And uh, I really enjoyed. I just took a really long road trip, and I listened to this audiobook called Recursion, which is written by this guy Blake Crouch, who also wrote this book Dark Matter, which is fantastic. Highly recommend Dark Matter. Very fun sci-fi, like quantum physics time stuff. I'm almost done with Recursion. It's a little bit dark in these times, but uh, I, I'm enjoyed. I enjoyed it. It really got me through like a 16-hour drive. So highly recommend. Nice. 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 Um, I'm Allie Jennings. You can find me on Instagram at Allie Jens. Um, uh, and then, yeah, um, things I've enjoyed. Uh, I, I've been getting really into cheese plates, guys. <laughs> so good. I'm so, I'm so tired of cooking, but I don't want to just like eat a bunch of raw ingredients like a, <laughs> like a Neanderthal. So I've been putting a bunch of raw ingredients on a plate and calling it a cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and honestly, it's been great. Um, and then you can also uh, check Mia and my podcast out called P.S. I Love Rom-Coms, where every week Mia and I watch, rate, review, and relate rom-coms to our very own lives. Um, we, I think, yeah, you can find our podcast anywhere. Um, and yeah, we have a new episode out every week. Yes. <laughs> Would you consider this movie for your uh, for your podcast? Oh, yeah, this is definitely a rom-com. Oh, 100%. Yes, the trope ticker, it would be interesting to see because we count up all the tropes Mm -hmm. to see how many. Mm -hmm. It would also be interesting to compare to other, you know, love triangle rom-coms because I feel like this is an excellent example of one. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. 100%. Cool. Well, um, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And good night, everyone. (laughs) 